Hello, fans. I'm Brian. And I'm Caitlin. And this is... Domestic Debates. Ding, ding, ding. watch list after this conversation hello fans and welcome to another episode of domestic debates domestic debates yay yay domestic debates is the down-to-earth podcast where disagreements are encouraged opinions are respected and oh man i haven't said it in so long i don't know you don't wait no nobody nobody tell me i got it nobody knows (laughs) nobody cares just move on opinions oh oh and beliefs are challenged in our quest to understand the other side um basically the gist of our podcast is just to have conversations with people of opposing points of view about um either silly topics or serious topics as today's topic will be and um the goal is at the end of the day is just to go away understanding each other better it's not uh, we're not here to change anybody's mind or tell them why they're wrong or prove ourselves right it's just really trying to understand each other and i think that um that's so important just to kind of bridge that divide that everyone is pushing so hard for so yeah let's bring ourselves back together let's talk Let's talk it out. Let's be cohesive. Yeah. Nothing's that serious. We can't just talk about it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. It's been a long time since we've had like a real episode. It's been Christmas and then New Year's and then yeah. uh, who knows what. Yeah. So it's good to be back. By the time this comes out, it will be a very, it'll be Monday and it'll be a crazy week. A lot of things happening. The biggest thing is our two, three two-year anniversary or wow what year how long have we been married two years yeah so monday is our two-year anniversary yay monday tuesday monday we get married on the 19th we got married on the 18th well one of us will be right okay i mean we were both there so (laughs) and also this week is um the official inauguration of biden and the seeing out of president trump so it's going to be a very emotional week for everybody involved, either a very happy week, a very sad week. And I encourage everybody, regardless of where you stand, to get super drunk on Thursday <laughs> and party hard, regardless of why you're partying. So so what are we talking about tonight, babe? Today, we are talking about such an exciting topic. We are talking about male privilege. Does it exist? And why not? Interesting. Yeah. So um very excited about that. And I'm so excited about our guest today. Uh, I think she's the perfect one to actually do this with. Everybody, welcome to the show, Audrey, from the Lights Camera Analysis Podcast. Um, she is a Harvard graduate, which is super impressive because I thought, you know, I don't know. I don't think I've ever talked to a Harvard graduate before, and I feel I feel inferior. No, no. <laughs> but actually, that's that's really awesome. How, was it hard to get into Harvard? I'm sure it was. I mean, the application is the same as any other application, but I got very lucky Mm -hmm. and I was able to go and I really loved it. Um, And I was able to get my master's in teaching through them. So now I'm teaching middle school English in Brooklyn and running lights, camera analysis to try to create some open source educational like materials 
and mm-hmm. I love film. So I was like, I'm going to apply to film. People love films. And then maybe they'll learn things by accident. It'll be great. That's very smart. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened listening to your podcast. I, I did learn some stuff. I always thought it's very fascinating. And it, it actually makes sense that you're an English teacher because I feel like that's what English teachers do. Like, I think that's like the stereotypical like joke that people make about English teachers where you're like reading a book and they're like, they're like talking about like, oh, what did the author mean by the color of the wall? Mm-hmm. It's, blue. it's a blue wall. What does blue represent? And you're like, shut up. It's just a blue wall. But that's what you're doing with your podcasts and movies. And I think it's yeah. actually kind of fun. And it used to drive me crazy when teachers did that. But I think it's fun to roll with it, knowing that you might be completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what you say, like, if you listen to the podcast, it it makes sense. Like, I can't call you on it. I can't be like, that's wrong. <laughs> because it, it makes a lot of sense what you're saying. So what's your favorite literary work? Oh, that's so hard. I I do love, I think my all time favorite that got me really into psychology within literature is The Catcher in the Rye. Catcher in so the Rye. I have to go with The Catcher in the Rye, but I really, really love Elizabeth Acevedo's work right now. She writes a lot of middle grade fiction and it's really beautiful. Audrey, can you tell us a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah. So because the goal of it is to really give you information quickly, we kind of dive right in. It's me and usually one guest and we look at a film through a weird lens. So our, my first episode is with an 11 year old looking at the Harry Potter series And he's speaking for the book and I'm speaking for the movie. And we were talking about the way systemic racism has worked in the United States and comparing it to the way that systemic racism works against muggle-borns in Harry Potter to see how closely they align and kind of to give people that background information and also give you a nugget where you can watch it now and see really interesting processes while white people are just like interacting that are supposed to be like pseudo racial. And that was, I think, under 20 minutes. So it's a lot of info in a really short amount of time, but we also talk about things from who is missing in hidden figures and why does that matter to like, how do we feel about fear? Why do we like horror films? And why do we like it in um, a movie? It. Yes, yes. I don't like it. I love it. No, I think that's one thing I do like about your podcast is that the episodes are kind of uh, short, unlike ours, which are grotesquely long. They're long, rambling nonsense. Yeah. I honestly, people don't usually make it through the whole episodes. I we should ch- like shorten them down, but like, nah. <laughs> like I, it's so funny. I will have like three hours of recording, and I edit it down to an hour and a half, and I think that's impressive enough. That I'm like, impressive. I can't edit. Yeah, I can't edit it much down like further than that. So. Anyway, um, well then let's move yeah, on. Yeah, speaking of time's sake. <laughs> um, all right. So today we're talking about male television and whether it exists or not. Um, I think it's very interesting talking about privilege. I, I don't know. I don't think this is really like a new um, sort of term or like idea. I think I've heard it for a while, but I, I didn't really hear it a lot until like the last couple of years. And I got to tell you, <laughs> I don't get, you know, everybody has like, people make fun of like uh, liberals all the time for like being triggered over things. And like, you know, there's buzzwords that trigger certain people. And I always like prided myself on not being one of those people that gets triggered by a word. But I got to tell you, 
when people bring up privilege in like a context of like white privilege, male privilege, you know, yeah. uh, whatever privilege. Oh, that's heterosexual my, privilege. That is my my trigger, Audrey. Like I just it, it like grinds my gears. I don't. It's such a visceral response to like a word. It's crazy. So um, I'm very very excited to talk about it because mm-hmm. it's hard to. Uh, with all of the topics we talk about, it's it's sometimes really hard to find people to sit down and actually talk about it yeah. because uh, emotions are so strong around it. So I'm very interested to have like a like an actual discussion about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, right, right off the bat, I feel very strongly about male privilege and that it doesn't exist. Um, and privilege in itself exists. Like I think yeah. everybody has a certain has a certain privilege, you know what I mean? A certain yeah. type of privilege or a certain set of privileges. I don't think they, um, they can be classified, um, in those terms of like male, female, white, black, you know, yeah. poor, rich, whatever. And, um, gay, straight, like, I don't, I don't like that. And I, I reject it. Um, um, I'd like to go ahead and start by defining male privilege though, before we dive into it That'd any further. Um, Audrey, you just do it so beautifully. Will you please uh, define male privilege for everybody? Male privilege is the system of advantages or rights that are available to men on the basis of their gender. All right. That's, that's nice. That's sort of sweet and to the point. I am going to let you guys talk about this for a minute and then jump in. Okay. Yeah. Brian is going to take a back seat on this. Uh, we don't really want to hear a male talk about why male privilege is not exist. Need, no- Honestly, I'm not. You have very enough s- privilege. I need you to stop trying to like cut your way in. I'm just saying I'm not very smart. I need somebody to explain this to me <laughs> because from where I'm sitting, I don't understand it. Yeah, so that that's what we're talking about when we're talking about male privilege. Um, basically, just the way that and it we're talking about specifically for the purposes of this episode, male privilege as it exists in 2021 America, um, not you know male privilege in freaking Israel or something because mm-hmm. that doesn't. That doesn't really matter to me. Um, I have I have enough to focus on here. You know, I can't extend my my love to other countries right now, unfortunately. So we'll start here. Yeah. So actually, you were talking about you said something along the lines uh, of how there's a bunch of different kinds of factors that each person has that kind of make up their privilege and kind of um, determine what privileges they'll all have. And I think that's actually really important because I think that's where my my big, like, when I hear male privilege or whatever, like, I automatically, it's like a stop for me. Like, I put up the stop sign, like, nope. And I think that's why, because it, it just seems so, it just seems such a black and white thing. And I think it's it's so much more complex than that to say that when you use, uh, like, definers such as male privilege or female privilege or whatever like mm-hmm. that, it, it kind of automatically makes it seem like a black and white thing and a very cut and dry thing when it's so complex yeah. and it's so different between um, tons of people. So I just, I I think more than anything, my problem is just with the the language of it and the implications behind it. I also just, it's it's always presented in a negative way. Yeah. And I, that's another thing that just kind of bothers me right off the bat. It just automatically rubs me the wrong way. When you bring up male privilege, it's like usually in a negative way to, especially to shut somebody down. And yeah. I have a problem with that like anytime um not to get off topic but anytime like we're having a conversation about uh not we brian i've seen it multiple times where he's having a conversation with somebody about like race and they're like well that's just your white privilege and they shut them right down white privilege you're shut down you your opinions are relevant you can shut up because you're white and i just like that that kind of thing is the the kind of thing that makes me just like hate it so maybe that's just me being stubborn but i don't think it's you being stubborn i think it's 
there are two different pieces there that I'm hearing that like make a lot of sense to me. One is the language piece where privilege, I think, feels like an attack because no one wants to feel like they haven't earned what they've gotten. Yes. So I think it's it's similar to feminism in that way to me, where people shut down when they hear feminism because they assume sometimes that it's people fighting only for women. But I don't think that's good feminism. I think good feminism is fighting for equity for all people. And I think it can be similar with privilege, where to me, the goal of understanding male privilege and what causes male privilege and what it means to act with male privilege and how you should use your privilege. Like, I think the real big thing is you want to educate people who have privileges so that they will use them right. So that they know how their voice is being heard, how other people's voices might not be heard. And like a privilege check is really hard to do. And I think part of it is the language that we use. And that's like the second part where it's like, if somebody attacks you with the language saying that you have X privilege, mm -hmm. then it, you become defensive. Yes. Because that's the natural reaction to an attack. But that doesn't mean that you also shouldn't at points be checking your privilege to understand what other people's vantage points are. Because sometimes somebody is coming from a place where they actually don't have the power that you have. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, if you, we're thinking about when someone, a woman is really strong and powerful. A lot of the words that people will use are bossy, bitch, ball buster, ice queen, difficult. Like there's so many gendered ways to refer to a woman in those spaces. And because of so many commonalities between so many of women's experiences, we can say that like, yeah, this is something that's pretty systemically happening to women where they're being shut down for being powerful. Well, yes. on the other hand, men are called like a boss, decisive, assertive. So a man being able to be assertive in the workplace, that's male privilege. And kind of times that a man should check that, in my opinion, would be something like, I don't know if you've had this experience where you share an idea and it kind of gets swept under the rug. And then someone else says your idea, like a man says your idea louder and he gets credit and they're like, that's a great idea. <laughs> because most of the women I know have had this experience and that's- Yeah, I have that experience with Brian all the time. <laughs> and the know. reason this happens oh, is not an individual problem. It's not because he wants to shut you down or because you don't want to be loud enough and not because you don't believe in your idea. It's because women are taught not to be loud and aggressive and men are, t and, and women are punished for doing that mm -hmm. and men are rewarded for it. So because of that, men are then continuously re like reinforced and that's how men get moved up. Because men are more likely, one, to like, quote unquote, take initiative and hum up with these great ideas that sometimes they might be taking from women or just like be louder and prouder about. And they're more likely to ask for the raise because they're more okay being assertive. But women are socialized to be like, no, you aren't supposed to do that. That's not womanly. And it's so we are systemically teaching women to act one way and men to act another way. And then we're rewarding men for acting one way. And we're punishing women regardless. And so the goal, I think, with acknowledging male privilege would be being like, this is not, it is not your fault that people are being socialized this way. 
It's not. It's not anyone's fault. So you can't go to a man and be like, it's your fault that you have this privilege. But it, a man reflecting on that might be able to try to remember, try to set up some scaffolds, some tools to help themselves remember and reflect so that they don't take someone else's idea. And so that if they see a woman trying to speak up, they support her. And if they see a woman being assertive, they try to support her. So I think to me, the goal of male privilege is of understanding male privilege is saying, okay, what privileges do men have that they can use to help women get their voices heard? And then women should be helping men in certain areas as well, but it's very difficult because men are socialized not to want things in the woman's sphere because we are told that if a man is emotional, that he is bad, right? Like he's got, he's got all those words for it. So it's a lot harder to do the work of unraveling women privileges because mm-hmm. helping men out, I think it, there's, there's that toxic masculinity there that we can talk about. But I think breaking down male privilege is a lot of men needing to reflect to figure out how to not override women. Okay, so I, you've made so many good points and I, we need to go through them because I'm gonna lose everything before we <laughs> move on. Um, I do, I, I've been trying to get the point out. I don't know if I've said it yet. So I just wanna make sure I say it. I, I do acknowledge that there are these differences between men and women and um, especially, in regards to social norms in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see those. I'm not an idiot. Like, obviously there are those, um, those differences. I just don't view them as a privilege or through the lens of privilege. I just, and it could, it, it could just, like you said, it could be again, the language of privilege that really is my hang up in the fact that it does come off as an attack more often than not. Yeah. Um, I wish more people were like you, you know, in the sense that you can, it's, it's, you're coming at it from like a very different point of view than I've really heard it expressed in the past. Um, so that's good. And I think that's obviously going to lead to a very, very um, productive, effective conversation here. So that's cool. Um, I, I think another thing that is that makes a difference to me and it really kind of has my like pushback on it is that it, it does come down to traditional gender roles a lot between male and female privileges. And I, I understand the idea of having those gender roles kind of be more equal. Yeah. When I, I guess, view male privilege, you know, I view it through the lens of the way society tr- treats them in like legally. And I don't, so people are always talking about rights, male rights, female rights. We have the same rights, like that under the law, like that mm-hmm. is, you know, whatever. So if, if so you're talking if you're wondering- about- this is the definition of privilege. Special right or advantage or immunity available to only a particular group. Right. So male what, privilege would Ma- be... From Ma- Merriam-Webster? That's where that came from? That is the Merriam-Webster definition, yes. Okay. So it would be a right or advantage or immunity given to only men and not women. Right. To which I don't know of any in our culture. Right. And that's that's kind of where my, I guess, the disconnect comes from. But I really am on board with talking about the differences, um, I guess, between men and women and how we can like change certain things to um, benefit, to kind of uh, like even the playing field. So for your example, I love your example of uh, the way that women and men are viewed differently in the workforce, because you're a hundred percent right about that. Generally a woman um, who's, you know, like headstrong and uh, very in charge and stuff comes off as a bitch. Mm-hmm. 
to the man, like that, it, it is a lot different. I will hundred percent acknowledge that. I don't view that as a privilege so much as just um, kind of like a social norm. And I do think that's important to acknowledge that that happens and try to restructure people's thinking. I think the big issue is the way that people go about it and to say like, oh, it's, they have male privilege and they need to like fix this and we need to march for women's rights and stuff like that. I feel like that really distracts from the actual issues that we can address and fix um, as a society when the the broad issue of male privilege focuses a lot more on like the things that aren't really issues that need to be changed. Like, so if you want to talk about that, I 100% agree. I think we need to change our norms, but I don't think that's like a legal issue or something that needs to be marched for. I think that's more just like talking to each other. You know what I mean? And when that's why conversations like these are so important. So, um, nah, I think male privilege is a myth. <laughs> that's one of those. I, I actually have another question. So if not by marching, cause I actually, I'm on the same page that I'm not sure how much can really be done through the laws. I think it's mm -hmm. a social thing. This is a thing we need to figure out how to handle socially. And then we can try to figure out maybe some things legally to help, but it's, it's more of a social phenomenon. Yes. But how do you create mass change as an individual if not marching because marching i think is one way people think of raising attention and then there's like informational instagram posts and tiktoks and podcasts but what would you think is the way to change minds uh i mean not not marching i mean i understand if, if this is a cause that is very important to you marching feels like the thing to do but if you're the normal person in the world you're just making him late for work and he is not really going to see your cause, which is why I don't march for anything. I think, and I think that's why it is so the language here and the, the term male privilege is so toxic. It's toxic for so many reasons. It's toxic because I feel like it is counter effective to the cause of changing these, these social norms. Um, and it also, when you talk about male privilege, a lot of people, it just creates this toxic, um, this toxic way of thinking of like comparing yourselves to others and um, it automatically kind of creates this us versus them yeah, um, like stigma. And it just, it's just, it, it comes off so negative. And I think um, it just breeds more discrimination and it kind of breeds hate and discontent in some people. And it just makes you not you, but uh, you know, yeah, it makes people feel worse yeah. to not. So now I'm a woman and I'm already feeling kind of down. And now I hear male privilege and it's thrown in my face all the time that just because I'm a woman, I am disadvantaged. And I don't think that's a healthy message to push on women. Women don't need yeah. to be viewing themselves as disadvantaged because thoughts are more powerful. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't answer your question and I definitely want to. Oh, no, you're good. So, okay. Your question was, how do you create that change? And I think, um, I just, I think it's, it's definitely educating people. You know what I mean? Like, even if you're talking about like maybe work, workplace training videos or something where you educate people on the differences and stuff, those can be good, but I think they're often mishandled. And when you say, if, say if you Google like male or you YouTube a video on male privilege and you have some lady telling you like, it, it, the way it comes off and the things you're saying are so powerful. So if you have, you have a huge movement, right? This, this, mm -hmm quality movement and yeah. there are so many different people in it and they're they're all viewing it as different things so yeah some people would male privilege the way you do that's good that's 
effective and it could actually lead to good change. But then you have people who view it as such, like you said, as like a, as such a negative thing and they use it to attack people. That's automatically going to shut so many, it's going to, it's just ruins it right then and there. You've, you've already hurt your cause. So I think more importantly is just to create a, a more cohesive yeah. way to go about it. Like, I don't know, centralized. I feel like movements really need to be centralized yeah. to a point. Like, if not, you have a lot of people trying to fight for different things that, and it's not cohesive. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really have the answer, but I think, I do think it's important to do. I just, I think the March doesn't do justice to what is important. Like it doesn't help the cause because it, it is often mishandled. Yeah. I think it's part of it is the mishandled piece. Like I think it's important to raise awareness. And I think that like when you see signs that are sharing statistics and I, that can be powerful but and to see other people who care about what you care about and who care about helping women which a lot mm -hmm. of the times ends up being like something like the women's march i think that that can be emotionally really gratifying and give people like the belief that they things are hopefully going to change but i also think that if you have a movement you need a goal and you need a clear goal and you need steps to get there that are realistic or you're going to fall on, upon the problem of like the 99% on Wall Street who were demanding who knows what. I, have, I do. I have a question. Go ahead. All right. So you, you guys are talking about the the how, the how to change mm -hmm. male privilege or how to bring awareness to it or how to the proper way to change it. Mm -hmm. I'm still stuck on what it is. Mm -hmm. I'm a white male and people tell me I'm privileged all the time. Somebody tell I I need somebody to tell me how because I got you, dude. I got you. No, no. <laughs> Before we get to the rape stats and the, everything else, I need somebody to tell me how I'm privileged. Yeah. So to me, a large piece of what male privilege is is also how much of your mental time do you have to spend worrying about something. So that's where the the rape and violence piece comes to me. When you would go on a first date before you met your wife. How often did you have to worry that they were going to rape or kill you? When you walk down the street at night, how often are you worried that somebody is going to rape or kill you? And it's starting at a really young age, depending on where you are. But that is that is a, a woman experience is that fear because of how prominent it is for a woman to be attacked, to be sexually assaulted, even by somebody that they know. The amount of time women have to spend being scared of things like that, even if they don't get attacked, right? Like I'm not even talking about, we get into the statistics, right? But the amount of times that I worry about walking my my dog at night, like people who can't call me might not be trying to hurt me. They might have no intention of ever hurting me and they're not hurting me, but that doesn't mean I don't get scared and I'm not worried about seeing someone. And that mental energy, there's so many times we make women do so much emotional labor in different ways and this is not a form of a, like labor but it's another way that like it's really draining to be scared mm -hmm. and it's really draining to like in different spaces not know if things are going to be okay because you're a woman and to feel like if you are one of the people who ends up going to court if you're lucky enough to get it to go to court the fact that the man will almost likely almost definitely not be punished up to snuff and you can never take it back and you cannot protect yourself against it happening again. So I kind of want to try to see if I can summarize that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think 
the the idea of male privilege is like there are so many things that you like males don't really have to think about or even mm-hmm. consider yes that females do and yeah. they're it's because of their gender yes um, and I again I don't view that as privilege you know what I mean or anything yeah. that really is on the false of the man um not even really something that is anybody's job to change it I do like the idea of being aware of it though yeah um you know it's very interesting we talk about these like gender or not they privilege checklists but they are very interesting to me I, I hate them I read them they make me mad but it's so cool because I there are things that you know I haven't thought about before yes. you know and I again I wouldn't think that they're privileged for example um here's a perfect example um the the white privilege checklist I hate those, but there, it is very interesting because I like one thing that is on the the white privilege checklist is like, oh, I can watch um, TV and see my, my race represented. And, you know, huge. Yeah. And I've never really thought about that before. And um, I could, I mean, personally, when I, when I like watch things, I don't really view it through representation of myself or anything like that. I've never really even thought about it, but I can see how, how, odd that is for like we'll say like a little black girl growing up to never see like black lead female characters Mm -hmm. in the things she's watching it's always some white chick and like some pretty little blonde girl or something like I could see how like how that changes your perception of things you know I've never really thought about that I wouldn't again I don't view those as privilege but it's definitely very interesting to be aware of and I I think for male privilege to bring it back to that um it's just not to go in specifics of like feeling in danger, but there are just so many things that I think women have to think of that men don't. And it mm-hmm. is because of the gender. Yeah. So I think that would be why you have male privilege. And there's, I, but I think it goes the other way too. I think there's female privilege where there's things men have to think about that females never do. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't, you live in New York city, correct? Yeah. And I'm sorry, if I were to walk my dog in New York City at night, I would not feel safe either. Mm-hmm. Right, so I don't want to... It's not because I'm a man. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like a, a situation where I would not want to walk my dog alone in one of the most crime-ridden cities in America. We actually don't have bad crime other than during COVID. It's like oh, a pretty safe yeah, and Listen, everybody from New York City tells me, oh, it's not that bad, <laughs> except it's terrible. So, I mean, that's fine. And if you... If you say that, then fine, and I believe you, but then you would not want to not walk your dog at night. So I I, I don't know. The proof kind of seems... It feels similar to me to... I When I was on Harvard's campus, it was still... I'm not sure it, it felt great to walk back to my dorm at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nobody likes walking alone at no, night. I mean, man, yeah. woman, child... I want to. I don't want to get too because I think that's going to come up again when we get more into sexual assault, which I will give you the floor okay. for, Audrey. But do you understand that aside that her example aside do you understand uh brian the idea of what male privilege is and why you have it because there are things that you don't have to even consider or don't bother you or don't even factor into your your life or your everyday thinking or actions because of your absolutely i would agree with that and i would also counter that there are things that women do not have to think about that's that's true so I mean, the male privilege and then the female privilege mm-hmm. are kind of a wash. And then it's like, why are we, why are we even talking about Right, it? which is, that's that's exactly, I, I agree with you. And that's so like why... you, you would say, oh, it's very common. You know, sexual assault is very common. A woman, uh, it's 
a man would never have to think about being alone or being sexually yeah. assaulted. Yeah, yeah. I would, I would agree. Mm -hmm. Most men probably don't think about being sexually assaulted, even though there are plenty of men who are sexually assaulted. Mm -hmm. I would counter that most women who are getting married don't think that the guy is only marrying them to get half of their stuff in a divorce. Mm -hmm. That is something that men may think about that a woman may not think about. Can I give you an example of female privilege of in my own life that I thought about like today that I realized Fantastic. I have? Fantastic. I would love that. I just think it's fun. Um, there have been multiple occasions where I have gotten blackout drunk. And something I do when I get blackout drunk is I feel the need to kiss people. Everybody, anybody, doesn't matter. Not in a sexual way, just because I'm yeah. lovey and affection. I'm like, oh my God, I want to kiss you. You're so beautiful. It's weird. If a guy did that, he would be creepy mm -hmm. and it would be red flags all over. And like, he could get in a lot of trouble for that. I, as a female, have never felt like I'm going to get in trouble. I have never even considered the fact that I could be making somebody uncomfortable yeah it's still creepy it is creepy i mean it is but as a female like it's just a different um and i think that's the piece i was pointing to before about women don't have to worry about going to jail in the same way that men do and yes because yeah. but it's because of the assumption that women are powerless mm -hmm. and the idea that women are sexual objects so if a woman is trying to kiss people it's like oh that's great we love that mm -hmm. Because people over-sexualize women. And we know the negative results of that are young girls being hypersexualized, sexual assault, all of that stuff, right? So there are the 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 female privileges, I think it's a lot of female privileges to me are very small things like that. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, if you if people really actually felt offended by that, you'd figure out how to rein it in. Yeah. Right? And that's not a big enough thing that it's going to deeply impact your life in the same way that becoming CEO of a company that is, is a huge jump. You know what I mean? Like if somebody is equally skilled and a woman is getting that glass ceiling, mm -hmm. that's a much bigger life change or the, I mean the, what is it? 77% statistic, which is not, which is, is based on like a multitude of things, but like, all of those pieces to me are the reason why I feel like because it's not a wash because females' privileges compared to males' privileges are really the result of even worse consequences for women. I 100% I understand what you're saying. I don't know that I agree with it, that they're, I think they're both like the privileges that females have and the privileges that males have. I think, I don't know if I would say they're a wash, but I think they're, I get what you're saying. I think the the male privilege is like it, it's heavier, it's more important, or like it, yeah. it's a bigger impact than like the privileges females have. I wouldn't agree with that, but I do understand it. Um, Brian, do you have anything you want to ask or add before we move on and let Audrey go through the examples of uh, male privilege? I uh, you both have explained a great deal to me. You you woman explained some stuff to me, <laughs> and I understand. I just I don't know. You just don't agree. I feel like imagine living your life out normally like you do. Mm -hmm. And then people tell you that you're not allowed to think things or feel things or act yeah. a certain way because you have male privilege, white privilege, whatever privilege you have. And you're like, no, nah, I'm just a normal guy. Yeah. They're like, no, but you do. You have all these things like you can, you can do this and do that. To me, it's a, it's a, it's robbing me of the personal responsibility that I have done to my life yeah. to make my life what it is. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. You, you can walk safely at night because 
you're a guy. No, it's because I'm a guy who carries a motherfucking gun. Because I'm afraid of people ass raping me all over the fucking place. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do that, okay? Yeah. I take that personal responsibility to protect myself. Mm -hmm. There's plenty of women who should do that. There's plenty of women who do do that. Yeah, and there's, and it's pretty, not, there's plenty of other males who do that, too. I mean, uh, otherwise, what is the... What is the what are we arguing about here? Just shrug your hands and oh, we're just gonna act this way until men change or until society changes. Well, that's gonna be a long time. Why don't you just kind of woman up and, and do your own thing? I think um I wanna let you rebuttal to that, Audrey, but I, I think it's interesting that you say that, babe, because I, I hundred percent agree with that. I do understand um I no the no, frustration there because people it, like, oh, women don't make enough money. They make more money. Oh, women don't have high enough positions. They get a high position. What do you want me to f do about it? Right. Oh, that's... Or, or, there's a pa the, oh the patriarchy. There's not like a bunch of dudes sitting around a table, putting their thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, it, will she get this position? Okay, no, she's not getting it. I yeah. mean, work hard, and you'll. It's America. Okay, this is not Lebanon. Which is this why I I like what Audrey is saying about this because. People do use male privilege as an attack. They do use it as a way to tell males that they, some people use it as a way to tell males that they have not earned what they have or that they don't deserve what they have. And I think that's unfair. And I think that is where a lot of people's problems come from. What I do, what I will accept about male privilege that, you know, because I, I get what you're saying, babe, and I 100% I agree. I think people use male privilege or any kind of privilege as um, a way to, kind of not take responsibility for their own actions in life or their own um, their own destiny. You know what I mean? It's very easy, especially when other people are telling you that you don't have, for women, if people are telling you you're at a disadvantage, you might be like, believe that you yes. can't do anything to change it. So I think that I can see why it would be frustrating to you, babe. I do, what I think is important here is that she's right, like to the point that it is, it is, very important and it could be very helpful to be aware of the ways that your experiences differ from women no <laughs> i also i want to reply to the earned piece because i think that's super important and we don't break it down appropriately for the most part like yeah it's, it's framed as an attack a lot of the time and i think it needs to be understood i think in the same way that to me like harvard is a crapshoot plenty of people have earned a spot there I was lucky enough to get in, but there are plenty of other people who deserved to go who were not able to get in because there were not enough spots. Mm -hmm. And life is like that. You've earned what you have. It just so happens that there are probably other people who have also earned it and did not get it. As a, just a curious question, as a, mm -hmm. in your class at Harvard, what was the disparity between men and women? Um, it's like 50-50. And so that would be not a, uh, I wouldn't, talk about that it's like a they, there are a lot of little different lines about how people get in but just like in terms of you can earn something and not get it and I think that like male privilege is you're just more likely to get it if you've earned it than other people who have also earned it so it's not to take away from the fact that you've earned something it just means that other people are disadvantaged in certain ways and it's great to use whatever you have to try to like know who might be being disadvantaged and whose voice might not be heard because there are other people who might be working really, really hard, but aren't being listened to. So mm -hmm. do you think being a woman helped you get into Harvard, hurt you getting into Harvard or was, it didn't matter at all? 
I'm sure it mattered. I'm not sure how it mattered. Um, if I was a woman applying to be in the math or sciences, probably it would have helped me because they're, they need more women in the math and sciences. But once I went to the school, I would probably have a less positive experience because there's a lot of sexism in like the math and science community. But it would have helped me get in potentially to the school because it is statistically easier to get into a school as a woman for math and science than as a man for math and science. In English, I don't know if it impacted at like to what extent it impacted me getting in. I would say there's probably more women in the English department than there are men. There are, which means that they want more men, which means that it would be easier for a man to become an English major. But they shouldn't. My point briefly is they want more women in the math department because generally by generally men are just better at math or more interested in math. Not not necessarily better, but more interested. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> but if you if you know that other men are going to be rude to you in your math classes, you're less likely to want to major in math. If you're actively deterred because you are surrounded by men at all times who think you're a silly girl trying to do this thing. That's why we have less women in math and sciences. And when a field becomes women predominated, like in, I believe it was nursing. I know it happened in teaching. Like teaching used to be all men. It used to be almost entirely men. But once women started doing it more, men didn't want to be associated with it anymore. Because the idea was if women do it, it's lesser. And it, it's the same as nursing. You know how people will make fun of guys for being nurses? Mm -hmm. being like wusses exactly it's that same thing where it's like some part of it is choice right like you can choose whether or not to go into nursing but why would you go into nursing if you know that it's going to be emotionally much harder for you because people are going to be like you're a wuss you're gay you're this you're that just because you're doing a job that helps people that other people consider a woman's job so i think it's we're socialized to go into those fields so the reason we're trying to diversify them and have more pe more of a mix of people is because I think people are being deterred from doing what they want because people are mean to them. Does that make sense to you, babe? I feel like that uh, she, kind of uh, answered your question a little bit. Uh, she threw a lot out there, but my point is, okay, you can throw a lot of information out there to like distract from what I'm trying to say. No, no, no. I think she kind of answered what you're trying to my say. My point is there. there's fu a fundamental difference between men and women. The things that interest men are not necessarily the things that interest women mm -hmm. and therefore that's why there is a difference there's a disparity in men in one field there's a, a much higher uh, percentage of men in engineering than there is in nursing yeah and that doesn't have anything to do with a the patriarchy or how somebody oh somebody's get, gonna get made fun of as to do with the interest of men and women i know you think it does and i understand that wait but my point is there is a fundamental difference between how men think and women think and that is a biological thing not a learned thing so that's why they're trying <laughs> to get more women into math but they shouldn't be wait okay so for just so i understand what you guys are both because i feel like you're saying sort of different things so brian you're saying like they're trying to marginalize it. they're trying to make the the disparity 50 50 between men and women right in all departments right. because otherwise you're going to be seen whatever university you're going you're to be made to look like you don't care or you only accept men or you only accept women and we can't have that. everybody has to be equal and we're not and you're turning away people who might be better for the position or better for whether it's a job uh or better for a student in that department who may have scored higher for yeah. instance you know, like blacks get more 
points on or they're looked more favorably upon on certain tests to get into certain departments asians are basically frowned upon yeah. they have points taken away from them because there's too many asians in mathematics we need more blacks yeah so we're going to take away from these pump up from well, these put them in there i would like to keep it on gender just because that's what we're talking about the same today. thing applies to men and women and that's my point is that they shouldn't be doing that okay they shouldn't be doing it just for the sake of trying to be equal or correct right but i do i think what audrey is saying is important too about wanting to encourage that diversity because there are um reasons that people might feel discouraged to join a certain field they actually want to do because of the stereotypes that go along with it and the way that they feel like they might be treated. So I think I think what's important is somewhere in the middle. I don't think colleges should be trying to make it equal 50-50 because yeah. that, you know, but it it is also important to encourage more um, women to go in men-dominated fields and more men to go into women-dominated fields. Fair enough. But I do agree, like, you're, we shouldn't be fighting for 50-50 as a, like a, any kind of quota where you're like, this number is right. It's not. But mm -hmm. I think that it's a constant battle to try to make people feel comfortable in different spaces. And the reason I think it's a worthwhile battle is because you have to decide who to put the weight on, right? You're, if you're in a system that's unbalanced, someone's going to be in pain. And you know the people who have less power are the ones who are more likely to be in pain. And if you were talking about a race thing, you also know that like people of color are more likely to be low income because of the structural things that have happened in the past. So if we are looking at people of color in this country who are less likely to get a high quality education, it makes sense that those people might not yet, like the people who went to lower quality schools probably will not be, and cannot afford tutoring, might not be able to perform as well on the SAT. And it's not because they're not as smart, it's because of a lack of resources. And the way that our country has figured out how to fix that is way too late in college. And it can hurt things because I do think it's the wrong way to handle it. And I think that that is a thing that is a lot more structural from like a government level. level. But from a gender level, I think it really comes down also to gender roles like and i think brian like you'd said how men might have men with might be like i'm so scared i'm going to marry a woman who's going to try to use me for my money but i think that fear comes from a place where it's like okay why don't women have that fear because women aren't making the money a lot of the time and that leads to all of the complicated issues with invisible labor i would disagree i would say because the courts mostly side with the female and and divorce cases mm -hmm. i want to interject here because you guys are both making good points um i think what you're saying audrey is it's important what you guys are both making good points but i think that's where the issue comes and when we start throwing around terms like privilege yeah. because what you're saying makes a lot of sense and it definitely does i can see why you would not to get off topic but i could see why you would want to tip the scales in the favor of um, like maybe a black child versus a white child when it comes to applying to a college, mm -hmm. because that's why they want to do things like make the standard for a certain demographic to get in easier than another demographic. I don't believe that is the right way to fix that problem. I agree. Um, I think it, instead of making like, oh, black people can have lower SAT scores and get in or whatever, 
they do, um, that wouldn't be the right approach. The right approach would be maybe we don't measure, like use SAT scores at all to try to get people into college. You know what I mean? And I think when you start throwing around these terms that often come up as an attack, you're hurting your cause of trying to work together to find out the best way to um, lift certain groups of people up. And I think, like you said, Audrey, it's very important to encourage certain groups of people to go into certain fields. Mm -hmm. And Brian is right too in saying that you shouldn't be trying to push it just for the sake of like diversity. There yeah. should be, there's gotta be a give and take, but I think- I would. I would put it to Jordan Peterson really said it the best way where he said he agrees with equal opportunities not guaranteeing equal outcome. Yeah. Just because everybody has the same right doesn't mean every the doesn't mean that your mathematics field is gonna be fifty fifty or anything else is gonna be evenly dispersed between men and women. It just means you have the equal opportunity. There's nothing standing in your way from doing that if that's what you choose to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's what I that's where the the thought, um, the role of gender roles comes up, I think, when we're talking about this privilege, uh, male privilege and female privileges, we all want the same opportunities, but I don't believe that we all need the same outcomes. And I think people are trying to force the same kind of outcomes. So in some people's ideal minds, 50-50 nursing field is like what it should be. And that's what they're pushing towards. I don't understand why traditional gender roles are so frowned upon and so, um, heavily like people are like fighting it so hard obviously i think when it comes to traditional gender roles like there's nothing stopping you from not following those i personally i'm a very big fan of traditional uh gender roles that's my own personal choice and how i live my life i i like those i um understand that people don't want to adhere to traditional gender roles and that's fine too but i don't see anything stopping them from not doing that and i I, that's what I don't understand why people are so, that's such a big thing. Because I mean, if you don't want to be a homemaker, you don't have to, like no, one's, yeah. no one can force you to do that. So I don't understand why there's such a push to gender roles, like to normalize them. I got you. So I think one of the pieces is because of what I'm going to be talking about in a second, people end up attacking women who want to be housewives or be feminine or stay home with kids or any piece of traditional femininity and that attack is unwarranted and it's because of the need to like push back against gender roles and their own difficulty being able to do it but it's totally unjust and like unwarranted and I think that there is a lack of respect for homemakers because of sexism I think it's like another part of internalized sexism where it's like this isn't a job as if, as if it's not a lot of labor, but so the American dream, like the, the classic American dream is like the man makes enough money that his woman, wife can stay home and work. But if you are setting up society that way, then that means that men control the money, which means that if a man controls the money, he can have like financial control over his wife and kids. You set up mm -hmm. a system monetarily so that like your wife and kids owe you and you come home from a long day of like understood labor that is respected that people really consider work right and the wife's job is not done 
she should cook and clean and all of these different pieces and all of that is expected but not really valued and i think that's one of the pieces that people want to get away from is those expectations but because it is so common and men today like boys today even if they believe in more gender equality current studies show that boys today do very little more if any more labor than their fathers they're still not likely to do housework they're not likely to like take the initiative to wipe down the counters to sweep the floors that kind of thing and that's not that likely for it to be demanded of them and so when they go into relationships they don't notice the same things that women are socialized to notice so who is putting away the cleaning up in the morning when they wake up like what when, when dirty dishes are disappearing it's it's kind of like those little things that can go unnoticed are parts of the invisible labor where it's just expected that you know if somebody lost something who's gonna find it mom right like that's the stereotype is like mom finds the lost things mom does the grocery shopping and if dad does the grocery shopping mom makes the grocery list and she tells dad to go and she has to nag him and that's a lot of work it's a lot of work to do that yeah i you know it's so interesting i had not Brian had Brian and I had not heard of invisible labor before. We had to look it up because I was like, what the hell is that? It's very interesting. I'd never heard of it. I think that is something I definitely want to talk about a little bit more, but I don't know if my question was yeah. answered so much. Um, so I don't see any reason that people cannot fight just go against those gender roles as yeah. it is. Like if if you're not happy with those, which I could see why you wouldn't be, what's stopping you from not doing that in yeah. your life like it's not patriarchy babe no but like it's, it's, patriarchy. People it's are the fact that if it's so why would men want to do invisible labor right especially if you're not seeing it so if a man doesn't know invisible labor exists but he's expecting it to be performed if you're dating a man if you're a woman who dates a man it's it's likely that you're going to end up doing that invisible labor even if you don't want to if you want to stay with that man that you love because most men are expecting that because they can't, they don't see the labor. So that's kind of the point yeah. of noticing male privilege is because if women often see it and they suck it up and they do it, because if you love somebody, it's so hard to say, I'm not going to date this person that I love because he doesn't know how to put away the dishes in the dishwasher, or I'm not going to marry this person that I love just because I have to remind him to go to the grocery store, right? That feels really small, but it adds up. And so what happens is I think it's really, really difficult. Like I see it in other feminists that I know in relationships all the time as well. I do it myself. It's really, really difficult to push back against the gender roles that you've been taught. And it's even harder if you love somebody else and they don't see their privilege and they're not doing that labor and they don't notice that but you love them and you are trying to help them see it and they you know what i mean like that's where the struggle is in trying to fight gender roles is within a relationship within the home there's a lot of dynamics there where it's like if most men have been socialized not to see invisible labor then it's really really difficult as a heterosexual woman or any other woman who's attracted to men 
to date a man and not abide by traditional gender roles to some extent. And so people rail against it. They say, why do men keep expecting me to shave my legs? Why do men keep expecting me to wear makeup? Why do men expect me to like do everything for them? And it's because of that built up frustration that people like slap back that way. But I think it is, it's really, it's really hard to not mother a, a guy when you're trying to teach him to do invisible labor because he's not done it before. So then you're playing mom, which is not something you want to do. Right. So it's, it's spirals. And it's, I think that to me is a really key feature of what makes invisible labor so painful. Yeah. And I, I love actually that you have brought that to my attention. Um, again, I, I didn't really think about it before and I, I didn't really like probably like a lot of people, I didn't even realize that was like a thing, but it is very important. And that definitely answers my question. I, I can see how that would be really hard for, cause my thought was just like, well, if you don't want to do it, then make sure like you marry somebody who doesn't mm-hmm. expect that. But yeah, I mean, if you're already in that relationship, you already love that person. It is, it does seem like a very trivial thing to, um, you know, I wouldn't not marry somebody because they didn't exactly. love the dishwasher. Right. Would... But the thing is, I mean, you should be able to have a conversation with your SO and be like, Hey, this is, you know, what I feel like I'm doing that. I'm expected to do. And I don't, I don't want, I want this to be equal. Like if you're mature enough in your relationship, you should be able to come to those. I'm not mature enough. Like yeah. I married you. You don't know. I love the dishwasher. Shut <laughs> up. It's so funny that you say those things. Cause Brian is the Brian's way more clean than I am. I do most of dishes. Yeah. I vacuum. <laughs> I mean, I do too. I do all this. Uh, what's the word we're using? Invisible. Invisible labor. Yeah. You do. And I don't love and appreciate it. So I'm sorry about that. No, it's okay. It's a patriarchy. <laughs> um, no, I mean, that's actually a really important part. And I think that that bothers me, though, because then it comes, you you know, bring it back to privilege. And I don't really feel like that's the correct term or to use in this. I don't feel like that is an example of male privilege. I think that's right. more of an issue of social norms and uh, gender roles. I think the tough piece is that when we have attempted to make those changes, but through educating people that way, because the the reason I think it ends up being called male privilege is because men are the ones who have the ability to say yes or no, right? Like if a woman is pushing and saying, I want this, I want this, I want this. Mm-hmm. That's called I nagging. I don't want to be performing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, it's characterized as nagging. And it's like, if, if the woman is the one who already inherently is supposed to have the invisible labor and is trying to give some of it away, it's a man's ability to say yes or no to that. Like there are certain pieces that just like statistically it is, much more frequently women and a lot of the time it's not women who want to be doing that but because so few men actually strike up a balance in work in that labor they're they're just limited options for how to date a man and not do that labor and then if you go into the workforce even you have like a lot of women in jobs are expected to do invisible labor too they're expected to clean up and take care of people and be more compassionate. And all of those stereotypes about women are carried into the workforce where women are expected to do all these different things. And a lot of the times you get like women secretaries who are doing so much work that they should have another job. Mm-hmm. But because they're like a mom figure who just like helps run the show, they get thanks and like, we couldn't do this without you, but they don't get the raise. Mm-hmm. And we also get... Like if a woman is, has a wedding ring on compared to a man has a wedding ring on during an interview, the assumption is, well, if the woman has a wedding ring on, we know she's supposed to do all this stuff at home. 
So we're less likely to feel like she's going to be able to, like that's just what the studies have shown at least, is when people saw men with a wedding ring versus women with a wedding ring who gave very similar answers, had the same resume, they were more likely to hire the man and say that they were worried about the woman's priorities at home to an extent. And generally the idea was if a man has a family at home, he wants to support them. So he's going to work at that job. He's going to be really careful. And because of the way that the workforce is set up to reinforce that, a man staying home with kids, one, people, sometimes people give a lot of extra praise for it, but sometimes people give a lot of for a guy trying to take time off to take care of his kids. And a woman is less likely to keep advancing, so she's less likely to be able to financially support her family. So women are encouraged in all these different ways to be the one to stay home and take care of kids if you have kids. And then there's not an on-ramp back on into your career path most of the time unless you're like a teacher. Like if you're a teacher, we have it good. My career is built for if I wanted to have kids. But for many professional women, it is very difficult to get back in the workforce. And if you do, you're way behind all of the men your age who entered at the same time as you because you took five years off or a year off or however long it was to take care of kids. And that's actually most of where the wage gap comes from is women's quote unquote choice to take care of kids. When you don't have the ability to have affordable childcare, it's not so much a choice as a necessity that someone stay home sometimes. All right. So before we go into wage gap, I love that little segue. That was beautiful. Well, I have done. questions. Right. That's why it's before, you know, you <laughs> threw a lot at us. And I, I have one big question. Yeah. Would you like to ask your questions first, babe? I have a series of questions. Okay. So that's my big question then. Um, so I, I see what you're saying and I love it because these are things that, you know, I don't think about. And part of that is not my unwillingness to, to think about them. It's just, you know, yeah. presented to me through the lens mm -hmm. of, you know, like an attack and very aggressive and, you know, yeah. fault it is, you know, nobody wants to listen to that. So um, do you think though, that these, these traditional gender roles would be as people wanting to push back on them as much, you know, like we were talking about invisible labor and how, you know, um, even if you don't want to, you kind of get swept into that, that pattern. Yeah. Do you think people would feel less um, opposed to them if this invisible labor was not invisible and it was more appreciated and, yes. you know, like it's the fact that it's kind of just, expected of them like that's the issue and yeah and it's not it's and i think part of what i had been taught about it that was really interesting was okay if you replace this invisible labor with paid labor because you can pay someone to do this kind of labor right if you give up monetary worth to it and we actually understand the amount of labor that women are doing and we give it a dollar value in our minds then we can start to see why people might say oh women are taking home a lot of money in divorces. Why? Well, they were performing all of this invisible labor and it wasn't, it's not going to be helpful for them to get into the workforce. So they're going to have a lot of time getting off their feet if the skills they have are these and they don't have the connections to be able to use those skills and make money. That's so you start to see how much labor women are doing and how much their labor is worth in dollars. Then people start to value it. If you actually are able to put a dollar sign to it, but women, like, we're, we're not going to get the money to pay people to do that labor, right? Like, we're not going to get the money from absolutely nowhere 
to so it's it is true that it has to be probably more of a norm switch people have debated lots of different political ways to try to make that work i have not heard any that sounded right to me yet but i do think it's a really tough question to question to wrestle with and the first step is seeing that labor because the worst thing is doing it and nobody noticing mm -hmm. i yeah and i agree i don't think this doesn't even feel like something that politics need to get involved with i think mm -hmm. it's, like you said it's more of a like a norm switch and that's very interesting for instance being that person at work who just does all the work and everyone's like oh mm -hmm. we can yeah yeah i i my boss is that person and she does everything and honestly i don't know how mm -hmm. much it takes because you know that's rude and it's not my business yeah. but I, I already know it's not enough because she literally yeah. runs the show. Like without her, every mm -hmm. the real, they would burn down. Like, and I know <laughs> she's not paid enough to do that. So yeah, I, I don't consider that like- Do you think a man in her position would make more? Wait, I don't consider, maybe. I don't consider that a privilege though. It seems more just like, um, like a norm. You know what I mean? And I don't, feel, I don't think that's- That's what she, that's the position she's allowed herself to be in. But I don't think that's a male privilege. I think that's- I don't know. It's, it's, I think to me, norms shape our privileges. How would you separate privilege from what's normal? I mean, I guess, I guess, I don't know how to answer your question, but I wouldn't see that. I wouldn't say, see it as a privilege. I would see it as a difference, like a male difference or whatever, you know, yeah, like privileges are, are special rights afforded to certain sex of people. And then normal is what is normal. Yeah, so if men are getting have the ability are more likely to be paid more for doing that uh, added layer, I would say that that's a privilege. It's a privilege to get more money. It's a privilege for the labor you do to be valued. Like, if quote unquote man's work is doing something outside the home, very stereotypically back in the fifties, right? So if men's work back in the day is working for money, and women's work is everything that includes invisible labor. It is a privilege for people to value what you do. And we tend to value male careers more now. Like think about how much respect teachers get, not a lot. Think about how much pay teachers get, not a lot, right? And then think about other career paths that are probably similar education level, but male-centered. They're more likely, a lot of them, to get respect and higher pay for a similar number of hours. I mean, First of all, it's not 1955 anymore. Oh, yeah. Second but I think all, it's like it's, moving from there to now, the male-centered fields are still valued more now. I mean, it's that's just a common a genetic trait for men. Men chase the money. Men are lazy, right? So let's do the least amount of work possible, make the most amount of money. We're not out there to be fulfilled. Men are not out there to be, you know, let's make my life complete. No, it's to work the least amount of time, make the most amount of money so you can go home and, and enjoy your life. That is the goal of all men. And you can't blame them for doing exactly that. Whereas women generally just biologically tend to look for fulfilling positions where they feel um, needed and wanted and accepted. Whereas men just don't care. I work with people that hate me and I work with people that I hate. And guess what? They don't accept me and I don't accept them. I don't care because we're both taking home a paycheck. I want to point out something you said. I think is so interesting. You said you can't blame them for that, and I think that that's such a big thing because I think. Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't believe Audrey is blaming anybody. A society cannot blame them. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I mean, she's, if if I'm understanding, she's not coming at male privilege as like a blame. Or no, somebody's fault, she something said, that somebody... She said teachers don't make a lot of money. And similarly, professions that have similar education levels make more money that are male dominated, whereas teachers are female dominated. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. cannot blame the men for chasing the money because that's what men do. That's a biological difference between men and women. I don't men chase men are like dogs. We chase the car say, and we don't know what to do when we get it. Okay? I wouldn't say chasing money is biological, but it's to do the most at least amount of work and get the most amount of money. I think how is that male though? I feel like women because want to do that too. Men seek money and status. Women seek um fulfillment. Fulfillment and general sense of belongingness. Mm-hmm. And, and historically, a, why do men need to seek more money than women did? Breadwinners. Mm-hmm. It's a inherent trait for men to be successful. Success is a a symbol of power, not over mm-hmm. women, but in regards to other men. And it's I think that's grounded to me, from what I understand, that's really grounded in the idea of masculinity. A man needs to be the, successful. And so, right, like that is a huge part of men's pride, and I think that kind of it can get to the point where it's like there's a fear for some people, if it, for a weirdly large amount of this population. To me, there is a fear of dating a woman who makes more money than you. Mm-hmm. That is like a huge thing that people worry about, and there are p- women who are like, I'm so scared to intimidate men because I might make more money or be more successful than them or more famous or something. And it's, and that's where like, quote unquote, toxic masculinity, which I think is another buzzword that like privilege, it's going to rub people the wrong way because of the word itself, Mm. where it's like the word is the problem with like why people don't like it. But I think there's like, we, I think men are taught that if they are not, if they are, there are so many things that are emasculating. It is so easy to be emasculated. We do not really hear about a lot of people getting effeminated. And I think the reason it's easier to get emasculated is because masculinity is valued and femininity is devalued. And if a man is seen as less than a woman, especially, but less than a ma- another man, if a man shows any kind of emotion, femininity in any way, it is a problem. And to be in the extreme of masculinity, to the fact where like you can't be yourself because you're repressing everything to try and fit into those stereotypes that's toxic masculinity is just when mass when what expectations men are held to are making them feel horrible that's what toxic masculinity is it's toxic masculinity is really awful for men because it's it's the pain that men have to put themselves through to be the epitome of masculinity but i think that male privilege is grounded in the oppression specifically of femininity and men have to oppress their own femininity a lot. And that's where like the weird complexities of male privilege come in. It's where like, because of the way sexism works, men are taught to limit all of the feminine aspects of themselves. And that is rooted back to things like the 1950 ideas of what a man should be and what a woman should be. It traces right back. And yes, it's different now, but it traces back, it's connected. And so a lot of the fears of 
what if a woman makes more than me means, okay, well, to keep a woman from making more than me and so that I can support her. And because I know women want a man who supports them and all of those different things that we have layered on, men are pressured to make as much money as possible, right? So yeah, they might be driven into those careers, but men are also taught, have a thick skin, don't cry. So if you have a man in a place where he doesn't feel comfortable, he's more likely to deal with it pretty well in those ways because, hey, maybe he's been taught to have a thick skin and not to be emotional about it. Women have different skills that we've been taught emotionally, but the way that women are sometimes babied and expected to cry and all of those pieces mean that a woman, woman is also socialized to think that they should be in a field where it is more sensitive and compassionate. And are more socialized to be told, like, you have to find something that's fulfilling. I don't think that's inherent. I think a lot of that is what we're told our whole lives and what we expect other people to have a reaction to, right? Like, if I said that I was, like, a WWE wrestler, people would probably be, like, look at me, one, and be, like, absolutely not. And I'd be, like, you're right. But, two, <laughs> people would be, like, that's, like, good luck getting a dude, potentially, because... There are like certain things going on where a lot of men are not going to be comfortable with the fact that I would be a physically strong woman stronger than them mm -hmm. if I was like a WWE wrestler. So I'm less likely to go into a field where a masculine field, I think, because of what we are taught, other people will find appealing. Off that point, though, I think it's very interesting that um, when people talk about these like what what you were just talking about audrey i think it's very interesting because i don't think people really um talk about it a lot how male privilege and toxic masculinity is actually harmful for men like mm -hmm. traditional gender roles can be very harmful for men too not just women i yeah. think when you hear these things it's automatically people think like oh women are just complaining and like blah 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 what was me for but i mean it it's interesting to see how it also impacts men because i think mm -hmm. that if you want to talk about male privilege and you want to get men to use their privilege or even acknowledge their privilege to put it in that way that you you know you bring up how it affects them negatively they're more likely to be like oh hold on a second and like actually hear you out i agree i've never heard that before i think that's really interesting yeah and i think Part of what makes me still tie it to privilege, even from that spot, is the fact that it's like, okay, what are some stereotypes that hurt men? Well, men, you should you should be eating like red meat, not good for your health. You can't cry, not good for your health. Um, you're less likely to have close relationships because if you have close relationships with other men, people are like, gay. If you have close <laughs> relationships with women, it's like, are you cheating on your wife? There is so a lot of men are really lonely and that's not good mentally for your health or physically for your health going to war negative health consequences but it's something that for a long time like even just fighting like men being taught that like it's macho to like fight other men not great for your health but all of those things are kind of men inflicting upon men and that's where like the patriarchy idea comes from is who's inflicting what on who so there's the norms where men are hurting themselves of like, you can't cry. You shouldn't be close to that person. You need to fight. And a lot of the things that they're pushing away from is like, quote unquote, feminine, right? Crying is feminine. Um, a lot of the things that are coded as queer or gay are really just like considered feminine, like really close friendships with like other people, like 
that's and emotions and the emotions behind that it's friendship good close friendships are emotional and those emotions are considered feminine so it's kind of like all of that pain that's hurting men also often hurts women because it then also becomes the cause of a lot of that built up aggression a lot of that built up emotion is what that's what leads to men feeling like they need to dominate women to remain masculine even like unintentionally people being extremely coercive sexually because of the way that it has been socialized where men are supposed to be the ones pushing for it and not to give up right persistence is such a huge cause to me of why so many men are sexually coercive leading on sexual assault because men are told keep trying keep trying and when a woman says no it means keep trying who said who's teaching these people any of this and a lot of this comes from so many different places even rom-coms like it's not the sexually keep trying like it's a huge part of our culture to be like keep asking her out and that's romantic so that's so, it's not she's not saying like specific it's just like a blanket thing like these are I, I these just, are how these gender roles can negatively this, impact men. this is almost like wizard of oz like man behind the curtain every time i'm here i hear stuff like this it's all from women who have learned it from other women i've never heard a guy tell me any of this it's all just oh it's all common knowledge and we all know this and this is why this happens well, no. and it's been told to us from millennia i don't think she's saying any of this is like common knowledge i think the interesting thing here is that Look, people no 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 men are this. taught to be to fight i don't agree with that men are just have more testosterone we're biologically okay. different and that makes you fight i think men are better soldiers and they go to war which is terrible absolutely men are taught not to cry men just cry less it's a biological thing it's not a learned thing it they they both impact the like we're not talking about biology right now which you're right those things do factor in it's just talking so about if, the if way we, all right i understand oh, if God. we are talking about then so let me finish my sentence you can't say one without the other you can't say well we're not talking about biology right now because they kind of tie in together there's what people are taught and then the way that they are built and you can't what you're saying is ignore everything biological about you and do what i'm telling you to do because no. this is better no 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 you should cry more you should have closer friendships oh with God. people don't you're taking I haven't cried since I was Shut seven. <laughs> it's because you're dead inside. I will not start now. <laughs> no, we saw the beginning to up and didn't cry. I just don't believe. <laughs> I don't even know what up is. <laughs> so, That's fair. I don't I think you're taking this as like a negative thing and an attack when it's not. It's just it's just it just doesn't seem like it's based in anything. It is though. Okay, what? That's what I'm asking. I think it's based in I never got to ask my question. It's go for it. It's just based in social norms like you cannot you cannot pretend these social norms do not exist i just who where you can't pretend these gender roles don't exist they do to pretend that it's not um ingrained in society from men and women that men don't cry that is that is kind of the it's thing. 2021 men become women and then cry but right no but men cry women cry we're it, talking about social norms these things exist i'm saying in 2021 it's kind of an all-out free-for-all. Yeah, but it's still, I mean, that's that's what people are pushing for, and that's what's getting thrown in your face a lot, but I think the majority of people still see it the opposite. So, and I think no, so people always look to me, they're like, you'll never understand because you're male privilege. But less do they know, I do all the dishes, I vacuum, I make the bed every day, I do all this invisible labor that I'm not getting paid for, and mm -hmm. yet they're judging me based on that I'm a guy. Mm-hmm. 
Well, okay. So right? I think I think you're that's a little screwed up. You're very hung up on the fact that you're like not a part of this conversation right now okay. <laughs> because we are not. Audrey and I, the way we're talking about it is not as like an attack on men or saying these are what men are doing wrong. There are people who would do what you're saying, but we're not doing that right now. So, so my question, if I was doing the same thing as a woman was doing, would I still have male privilege? No, not in the same way at all. If you're doing, I think, everything against societal expectations, I would say that you're facing so many different things. And I also think the way that male privilege needs to be approached in general, it needs to be a lot more theoretical and a lot more individual because the idea of someone looking at you and telling you you have male privilege and these are the things you get is wrong. They don't know which of the things you have. Only you know how your life is operating and only you can explore that. It is wrong for someone else to make those assumptions and it's coming from a place of pain that someone is making those assumptions. It's coming from someone else who's struggling, but that doesn't mean that they have the right to make those assumptions about you. And they're making that labor continue to be invisible that you are doing. And you can feel the like anger that other women feel when people like that. A lot of women feel for when they're doing that labor and it's being dismissed. So you're feeling a pain that a lot of women feel when it's being dismissed by their partners. So it's, I think it's unfair for somebody else to come to you and say, like, you have all of these male privileges. You're not going to have all of the male privileges. And that having those privileges isn't shouldn't be an attack on you. It should be something where it's like, okay, I'll reflect and try to make sure that I'm conscious of certain things that I might do that might make a woman feel unsafe or uncomfortable or to try to help a woman who like it seems like other people are really trampling over her in the workplace or in these spaces where it's like she's making valuable points and not getting credit for it so it's to me a lot of it is you pick it apart so that you can understand your place in it it's not and I think a lot of the problem with the word privilege is it just no one wants to be like, yeah, I have privilege because it, it feels awful. And then what do you do with that? Nothing. It needs to be a productive struggle where you're like, I see the pieces, not all of them fit, but I understand some of them and I'm going to help. Not trust. Me. I want the privilege. Give me the privilege. I want the white privilege. I want the male privilege. I want it all. I need do you, some. Do you not understand what she's saying? I do understand what she's saying. I'm... I feel like you didn't respond to it. It's actually really, like, really well thought out. Okay. Do you understand? I just told you I understand. Okay, because you didn't respond to it. I understand. What do you I understand. Okay, good. Okay? Yeah. Is that all right? Sure. All right. I do have a statistic for your question about the, the like, killing women piece, though. 94% of the victims of murder-suicides, so where someone kills someone else and then themselves, 94% of those victims are female. Most of the, the perpetrators, most of the ones who are sexually assaulting people, killing people, especially domestic partners, it's it's mostly done by men. So there are some men who, there are many men who are still attacked, but it's largely perpetuated by men and then a lot of women, largely women, end up assaulted, injured, or like murdered. And it, a lot of that is because of, I think, a lot of what men are told to hold inside in terms of emotions. Like I do think, telling men i like i don't think that it's fully natural and without a choice to not cry like i hate crying and i still cry 
And I, I am a crier. Like, there are people who are criers, and there are people who are a lot less prone to it. And I know that's true. But it's also holding in emotions and not expressing them on purpose is unhealthy. And, like, telling men that they have to do that and that showing emotions is weak means that you get men who the only way that they know how to express themselves, there are, like, more limited ways to express yourself when you're not allowed to be emotional. And that leads to a lot of this violence against women especially. So are you telling me if men cried more, there'd be less murder-suicides where men are the perpetrators? Potentially, yeah, actually. Because if men were able to, and I think a lot more reflection as well, if, if, because there's a lot of anger too. I think it's, it's sadness and other negative emotions are really connected. I don't know the psychology of it. I can't, like, I have no way of knowing except for the fact that, like, if everyone went to therapy, I'm sure their therapist would be able to help them work through their trauma and figure out like, okay, what, why am I attacking people? And so those people who are attacking people need to be more reflective, which is considered feminine. It's considered feminine to like think a lot about your emotions and be touchy-feely. But if everyone was more reflective and thought about what they were doing and why they were doing it and how they feel, then they would be less likely to harm other people. And if people were encouraged to be empathetic, then they'd be less likely to want to hurt other people. That's fair. Yeah, I think that's actually, I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate for that, which is another reason I think when I hear the term male privilege, I automatically kind of shut it down or I shut down because male mental health is so important. And I feel like it is very swept under the rug a lot. Um, yes. And I, I love, I love how we're talking about this and I'm seeing the way all the pieces fit together because I always hear, I always get the like one side in some of these pieces, but I've never really been, no one's ever explained how they interact. And I think that is very important because while we're, we hear male privilege, we're talking about male privilege and that seems like a negative thing. And it seems like males like are like to blame for like these things, but it's also their traditional gender roles just as much as women. And I mm -hmm. think it's very interesting to see like now, again, and I know it's kind of selfish, but when you want somebody to, if you tell us like a white person, you're like, you have white privilege, you know what I mean? Like they don't want to help, you know what I mean? Yeah. Try to try to guilt them into using their white privilege to help people. Like they're going to shut you down. But if you're like, here's how white privilege is actually hurting you. They're more likely to be, oh, okay, wait a second. Like I'm interested now. So I think to show it, how male privilege actually hurts in is a lot more interesting because people are more likely to listen. I think that's fascinating. I never even, I've never heard that and I've never thought about that. And I like that. Um, I do like what you said too, about how it should be looked at as more a theoretical thing. I can get behind that for sure. But I think, yeah, if you're coming at it as like a definite thing and like telling somebody like, yeah, I guess I, if you're coming at male privilege theoretically, I could 100% get behind that because it's very interesting. But I also think something I feel like has, I don't know if it's, I think it's obvious, but I don't know if anyone's actually said it about these social norms. A lot of like, it's men putting it on men. It's like, you know, mm -hmm. the, the traditional gender roles or whatever, like men don't cry is the example, you know, like that's put on men by other men, you know, that's like, yeah. but it's also put on men by women too. Yeah. Because yeah. And I think that's, it's very interesting. I think you're, and I, I know Brian was being kind of sarcastic, but I think you're hundred percent right. I think if men cried more, there'd be less murder. <laughs> that was a legitimate question. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I just, I don't understand my, my point. I know I kind of went around it, but I, the people who define what these roles are and what everything is, they're all women. I actually think that it's, 
it's the the difficulty is and the reason that I've like brought up 1950 and I'm going to bring us back super quick is because like we learn norms from our parents like statistically the way we we are not going to be copies of our of our parents and people don't want to be copies of our parents but we do very quickly learn and are trained in what is expected of us based on our our birth gender you are told from a young age and taught and trained in what gender roles are by your parents and they were taught by who raised them and so on and so forth so we have grown and we learn because of the society that we're in there are ways that we interact with each other and that teaches us but if the 1950s generation raised the 70s generation raised, you know what i mean it trickles through and i think that's where that's the the norms that we have today are a revised version of older gender norms and it goes back and back and back and they shift and they change and we have the power to keep influencing them and especially the people who are in the spotlight have the power of influencing them because when you see a famous person and they're treated well while also defying gender norms that opens up a door that's where representation matters if you see someone on screen who looks like you or has something in common with you that you haven't seen represented before doing something you didn't know you were allowed to do that's amazing that means you can do it a lot of people have a lot of trouble being able to visualize doing something that no one who looks like them has ever done before. So I do think that a huge part of how male privilege has worked is as a result of way back in the day, even when like, you know, women were property, it all like it, it changes. Every, it's 2021 were very different than past generations have been and back and back and back. But we've also learned from them. And unfortunately, I think so much has still been passed down that hurts everyone that like we can't not look back. We have to be able to see what problems were before to see how they're still hurting us now. I think the, the sad thing about it is we could be so much more like we could have progressed a lot further if people were able to like discuss it in a productive manner you know what i mean and to educate people in a productive way because a lot of times when these things are brought up they are not brought up in a good way and they're not but the onus is on the person who's being more oppressed so the all of the work the person who has to explain male privilege is probably not the person with male privilege right so it's the, the people and the people who explain white privilege aren't the people who are white a lot of the time right like a lot of the people who, so a large part of privilege is you don't have to see your privilege. If you feel like you're normal and like, this is how life is. And people who don't have that privilege can see where those privileges are in certain pieces. And they could be wrong, but they think they notice pieces because they know how they've been disadvantaged in certain ways and they can see their disadvantages. Mm -hmm. And so the onus, the effort, the work is on the person who has less and who feels weighed down to do that labor and if you've been if you feel like you've faced all of these different things it becomes emotionally very difficult to be really civil and then be like i'm going to teach this person who doesn't respect me how to do this thing and it's it, it's all mindset and it's dependent on the person but 
if we were to like boil it down to the idea of who has to teach who, the onus ends up being on the one who probably shouldn't have to be doing that work as much because they were the already the ones who were hurting more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why those com- these conversations end up being so difficult to be productive because it is really personal to have a discussion about identity anyway. But to layer on the fact that the one who's explaining it feels like they've been kicked around in so many different ways their entire life and they lack representation in all of the other pieces that they're going to be raising, mm-hmm. all of that is really personal pain. And to try to turn to someone who, like, in some ways, and you're explaining it, can, in your mind, represent what's been hurting you, that's difficult to do civilly. It's difficult to turn to someone, especially if it, like, becomes an angry debate. Like, to come at someone and have them come back at you as it makes sense for someone to be defensive, then it's like, okay, this person now represents in my mind everything that's hurt me. And it becomes really emotional. So it's that's why I think it's so, so difficult to have it on an individual basis. And that's why I think it's awesome to have things like this that people can listen to without needing to get somebody else to do that labor and explain it to them or having really wonderful books out there that are actually accessible where you can actually like understand the language because so many of the the books on gender issues are just not easy to understand Mm -hmm. for most people because there's written in like weird jargon but yeah I think that's what's tough about having the conversations about norms is it's not it's something that we can help on an individual basis, but like there's limited work that we can do. And the person who's pushing someone else to do it is the one who's in pain. Right. And it sucks because I feel like it's kind of like, um, like a, a, a cycle, almost like a vicious cycle because, mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately these groups have to work together. The person with privilege, uh, quote unquote privilege, and the person who yeah. doesn't have it, like they, they are going to have to like work together to educate on it. And you can't expect somebody with said privilege to understand it and want to like use it for good almost if it's being presented to them in such a negative manner. And I, I can see why, you know, somebody, a lot of people have trouble expressing it too. A lot of people in general don't, aren't able to express their feelings and their thoughts very well. So you just have a bunch of angry people yelling at you about mm-hmm. how it's your fault. That's, and I, cause I, I look at these people and I'm like, they're so angry and I don't really understand why, because the things they're saying don't like explain it. You know I mean? They're yeah. not actually saying what they mean. So it's very interesting to hear you explain it. Um, it I think a lot of the, the assumption or the stigma is that male privilege is men's fault. And on top of that, they're the ones who need to fix it. They're the ones who are responsible and it's their sole responsibility, but it's not. Mm -hmm. I think we've outlined very clearly how like, it's something that everybody needs to be a part of. And I, I understand more. I will not be a part of it. (laughs) But I, I understand more why there's such a push for people to be educated about it. And I know we've spent today talking about male privilege, but I think it's, there's also a good conversation to be had about female privilege and Mm -hmm. the way you know, it can be toxic to females and the ways that, you know, it could benefit men to. I, I think men should privilege. be men and women should be women. It's well, very simple. No one's, no one's arguing that, babe. Uh, you guys are all arguing that actually. No. How? You're not even paying attention. I am paying attention. It's okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm not buying it. I'm glad you guys had this kumbaya, you know, 
whatever you guys did. Audrey, you gave some great information. Thank you so much for uh, staying up late with us to have this conversation. Yeah, thank you for a great convo. Um, I really appreciated it. I liked hearing your points. Yeah, thank you. And shout out your podcast uh, one more time. Lights, Camera, Analysis. And where can they find that? Um, it should be just about anywhere you listen, but most people listen on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Domestic Debates. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. If you like this podcast and want to help us keep doing it, consider becoming a patron today on Patreon. Link in the description. You can connect with us on social media. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. There, you can tell us what you thought of this week's episode, tell us what you'd like to hear us cover next, find resources and cited sources, and stay up to date on all our latest episodes. This has been Domestic Debates. Until next time.